Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Crossing today. Whether you're in this room, whether you're at our Southeast campus, one of our many microsites, or watch online, we're so glad that you're here. Can we go ahead and welcome all those who are joining us right now? So good to have you part of The Crossing family with us. Well, we're in week two of a series that we're calling Creatures of Habit. Now, I am a creature of habit. Lee shared with you last week my routine for my mountain bike. It looks the same every single day. But that's not the only area of my life. Let me tell you a little bit about my Sunday routine. That, that every Sunday as I'm getting ready, that my alarm goes off at five something. I get up and I get ready. I go out to my kitchen. I spend a little bit of time praying, praying for you, praying for the day, for the church. And then I go over my message. I actually practice it out loud all the way through. When I'm done with that, I'll eat breakfast, then I'll pack up all my stuff. I'll grab my shirt, I'll hang it up in the car, I'll get all my stuff loaded in the car, I'll head here. When I get here, I change into my shirt, I put on my microphone, then I go and make sure that all my scriptures and slides are correct. I go and I pray with my prayer team, and it is the exact same routine every single week. Now, I realize that's a little quirky, but here's the deal. We are all creatures of habit. You are either a creature of good habits or you are a creature of bad habits or quirky habits, but we are all creatures of habit. Well, Lee kicked off this series last week and did just a great job just getting us into this. If you didn't see his message, you need to go online and watch it and to catch up. But here's this principle for this series that he shared last week. It is this, is that God-honoring people do consistently what other people do occasionally. God-honoring people do consistently what other people only do occasionally. Now, this is true. This principle is true whether you're a Christian or not. That successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. This principle is true financially, that if you are financially successful, you are doing things consistently that most people either do not do or they only do them occasionally. This is true physically. People who are healthy have habits that they do consistently that others only do occasionally. This is true relationally, and this is true spiritually. Now, here's the thing about habits. Habits are cumulative. Small, bad habits rarely wreck your life all at once. They add up over time. And the same is true for good habits. When you put spiritual habits into your life, you may not see the benefits all at once, but over time, there is this cumulative effect when you begin to put these spiritual habits in your life. We planned this series with this goal in mind. God is not as interested in what you achieve as who you become. This series is not, helping, is not about helping you to improve yourself. This series is about helping you become more like Jesus. And today, I want to talk about the habit of listening. The habit of listening. I was having a conversation with my wife the other day, and as we were talking, we're sitting in the family room, and I go into the kitchen, and I get a snack, and she's still talking. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I come back in, and I ask her a question of the exact same thing that she had just told me. But I was in the kitchen getting a snack, so I didn't really hear it. 
See, she was still talking, but I was not in the place to listen. Well, the same is true with God. It's not a matter if God is speaking. It's a matter if we are listening. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to just teach out of this great story out of 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel is a, is a book in the Old Testament, at the beginning of the Old Testament. And let me just give you a little bit of background about this right here. Samuel will become one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history. He is the one who will anoint David as the king of Israel. And he will speak on behalf of God to the people of Israel. Now Samuel's mom Her name was Hannah, and she was unable to conceive. And she made this promise to God. She said, God, if you allow me to have children, I will dedicate the firstborn to you. And so she does that. And Samuel is her firstborn. And so at some point in Samuel's life, she brings him to the temple, and Samuel grows up serving in the temple with the priest. And we're going to pick up this story 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was the priest. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Most scholars believe that Samuel was about 12 years old at this point, and it comes at a dark period in Israel's history. Because there was disobedience of the people, there was disobedience of the leaders, and it says the word of the Lord was was rare. Well, it goes on. It says, one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Now, Eli is the priest who takes care of the temple, and he's pretty old at this point. And Samuel lives in the temple, and he goes to bed near the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this is the raiders of the lost ark. Ark. It is that ark. And the ark represented the presence of God. And Samuel wants to be as close to God as he can get. It says, then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am. But here's this funny thing. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. God calls Samuel, but he thinks that it is Eli who is calling him, which makes sense. I mean, we wouldn't think that God would be calling us. We wouldn't recognize that voice in the middle of the night. So Samuel goes running into Eli's bedroom and says, here I am. You called me. Now, if you're a parent, you know what this is like. Because your kids will use any excuse to get up during the night. And you're like, I didn't call you. You go back to bed. Just go back to bed. It says, again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, if your kids are like mine, They will be sitting right next to me, and supposedly they do not hear what I ask them to do. But then I would whisper something to Darla, and from upstairs they would call down, why are you talking about me? Well, Samuel keeps hearing this voice, and he thinks that it's Eli. And Eli says, 
I'm not talking to you. Go back to bed. Now, Samuel, who's writing this, this book, he pulls out of this story because he wants to give us a little bit of information about what's going on. He says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Samuel will become a prophet, and God would speak to him, and God would speak through him. But that time had not yet come, and he was not used to God speaking into his life. It says, a third time the Lord called. Samuel, and Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then he went to to lay down there. See, Eli finally figures out what's going on. God is trying to get get Samuel's attention. And Eli gives this advice that would change the course of Samuel's life. He says, if you hear the Lord speak again, you just say, speak, for your servant is listening. And that is exactly what happens. It says, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. God is about to do something incredible. God will eventually use Samuel to anoint David as the king of Israel. David will be the greatest king. It will be the greatest days in Israel's history. And out of David's family will come Jesus. And God will use Samuel as the most powerful voice in his generation. But it started with this ear to hear the voice of God. So let me ask this question. Maybe it's this question that you begin to to wonder yourself. Does God still speak? Does God still speak? Maybe you're like me. And it makes you a little skeptical when you hear people say, well, God told me or God spoke to me. Because you hear what they claim and you're like, God did not tell you that. God did not tell you to leave your wife. I don't know where you heard that. God did not tell you that. For me, because I'm a pastor, people will come up and they'll not only say that, what they'll say is they'll say, Shane, God told me to tell you. And it's usually something that they want me to do. Shane, God told me to tell you to turn the music down. Well, that's funny because he didn't tell me that. You know, I, I didn't hear that. See, the real issue, the real issue is not getting God to speak. It's being in the position to listen. God will speak. The question is, will you hear him? And when I say he will speak to you, I'm not talking about an audible voice. I have never heard an audible voice from God. I'm, saying that he, I'm not saying that he can't do that. I'm just saying... That's never happened to me. Typically, God speaks to us in four different ways. God speaks to us through his word, through the Bible. God's moral will is already revealed in his word in the Bible. It's already there. His will for you morally. Second is through godly counsel. God will use godly people who have good judgment to speak wisdom into your life, and God uses that. 
The third is through current circumstances. That God will often lead you through open doors or closed doors on where he wants you to go. And then the fourth one is the Holy Spirit. Is God will use the Holy Spirit to guide you. See, as Christians, we don't just worship God. We have God living in us. That is how God speaks to us. But I want, to, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about barriers to hearing God. Barriers to hearing God. The other day, I, I was reading an article about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, of course, is the third richest man in the world. He's worth $82.5 billion and arguably the greatest investor of all time. Now, some of you are suddenly interested in my message. You're like, okay, this is what I came for right here. Warren Buffett and his, his partner, Charlie Munger, they coined a phrase that's this, invert, always invert. And the idea of this is you take your problem and you invert it. You take whatever problem you have and you look at it upside down. You look at the other side of your problem, the portion that you're not used to looking at. Instead of what they learned, instead of looking at what could go right with an investment, they begin to ask what could go wrong with this investment. And Warren Buffett says investing is more about avoiding losers than finding winners. So if you're an investor, you're welcome. I'm glad you came to church today for that. See, I thought that idea right there might be helpful for us. Instead of talking about how to hear from God, because I talk about that from time to time, I want to talk about what may be keeping you from hearing from God. Is there a barrier that is keeping you from listening to God? When Jesus would teach, he would often say this right here. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And Jesus would always say this after he preached a message, never before. It was always after he preached a message. And it was his way of saying, even though everyone heard the words that I'm saying, even though everybody heard them, only some of you are in a position to listen and receive, while others have closed your ears to what I'm saying. It's what Jesus meant by this. And when Jesus says this in Mark chapter 4, he says this right after he teaches one of his most famous parables, the parable of the sower. Now, you probably know the story of the parable of the sower, where the farmer goes out and he scatters his seed, and the seed falls on four different kinds of soil. He scatters his seed, and some of the seed falls on the dirt path, and it is so hard and compacted that nothing can grow there. And some of the seed falls on the rocky soil, that on the rocky soil, it'll spring up quickly, but then it'll die because it can't take its roots because there's rocks below it. And then there was a third kind of soil that the seed would fall in. This was the soil that had thorns and weeds in it. And so even though it began to spring up and grow, that the weeds and the thorns would take over and choke them out. And he said there was a fourth kind of a soil. This soil was the good soil. And when the seed goes into the good soil, it produces this huge crop. And Jesus explains this parable and he gives us insight into why we may not be able to hear from God. Here's what he says when he explains this. He says, some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word 
that was sown in them. Now, there's this path at the park that I always walk on, and it's where everybody walks. And nothing grows there because it is so compacted. It's where everybody walks that nothing can grow there. Even when the landscapers, they put new seed down, it is too hard to take root. This barrier to hearing God, this is what I call the hard heart. This is the hard heart. If you have your back turned towards God, you will not be able to hear him. If you are stiff-arming God with your life, you are not in the place to be able to hear from God. And there are two primary things that harden our hearts. It is sin and it is hurt. It is sin and it is hurt. The first is sin. See, all of us have sin. Everybody in this room, we all sin. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about unrepentant sin. It's the sin that you have justified and you've justified and said, I don't care what God's word says. This is my life and this is how I'm going to live it. And if that's the place for you, your heart may be so hard that you can't hear from God. The second is hurt. That maybe there is a period of your life where somebody hurt you so deeply that the way that you responded to that is you thought, I am never going to let anybody get close to me again, including God. Including God. And if you have hardened your heart towards God, God may speak, but you are not in a position to hear. Jesus goes on. He says, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word. And at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. They they quickly fall away. Now, the soil in Israel is very similar to the way it is here in Las Vegas. That there's just a little bit of dirt on top of all the rocks. And you know how it is. If you're trying to grow something in your backyard you got to dig a hole. Maybe for some of you, you moved into a house where the landscapers just kind of put it in there and everything died because they didn't dig a hole deep enough. If you want something to grow, you got to get all of the rocks out and then you plant something, you put good soil around it. This right here, this is what I call the shallow heart. This is the shallow heart. Maybe there was a season in your life where you You gave your life to Jesus, and you were excited about what God was doing. And then something went wrong, and you blamed God. Something went wrong in your life that you felt like God could have prevented or God should have changed it, that there was some trouble or persecution that came in your life. And what happened for you is that this became the barrier to you hearing God. See, here's what, I, here's what I find with people when they are going through a rough time, that either they lean into God and they grow deeper in their faith or they do the opposite. And they just pull away from God. And while they are still a believer, their relationship with God is superficial. They know too much to walk away from God. But they are stunted in their growth and their relationship with God remains shallow. There's a third barrier that Jesus teaches about. He says, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things comes in and choke the word, making it 
unfruitful. So you know how this is. You're trying to grow something in your your yard, and the weeds or the thorns come and take it away. If you have grass and you see crabgrass starting to come, if you don't pull that crabgrass out, eventually it's going to overtake your yard. You'll no longer have grass. You'll just have this lawn full of crabgrass because it just takes it out. It chokes out everything else that is in your yard. This is what I call right here the distracted heart. The distracted heart. If you're up at night in worry and anxiety, you're just distracted. Or you're consumed with chasing after stuff. Chasing after wealth, as Jesus said. There's an old commercial. I don't remember the the car company. I think it was Mercedes-Benz, but I could be wrong. This old commercial, it says, you can't buy happiness, but now you can lease it. (laughs) And that's kind of what we think. Instinctively, we know that money can't make us happy. But we think, I'd like to try. You know, I'd just like to try and to see if it's true or not. That it's the worries of this life or the deceitfulness of wealth or the desire for other things. I heard this week this incredible statistic that the average millennial spends seven hours a day on their phone. Seven hours a day. Now, before... Those of us who are older than millennials start pointing our fingers. You spend a lot of time on your phones as well. I mean, that's a problem for you. See, Jesus is not saying that money is evil. And Jesus is not saying that you won't have worries in your life. And Jesus is not saying throw away your phones because they ruin your life. Well, I mean, maybe if you have an Android, maybe you ought to. But (laughs) not if you have an iPhone. You keep those. What he's saying is, those things just distract you from God. They're not bad. They're just distractions. Let me show you how Luke records this part of the parable. The Gospel of Luke, it says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. For some of you, This is you right here. And it's not because you don't want to. You're just distracted. You're just distracted. Well, there's one more kind of soil. And here's what Jesus says. Um, He says, others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. See, notice what Jesus says here. Jesus says, these are people who hear it, they accept it, and there is fruit from their life. That there is fruit that comes out of their life. See, this is what happens when you put your life into the hands of God. Jesus says, it'll sometimes produce 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. That God will take your life to a place beyond what you ever could do on your own. Listen, when we started the crossing 19 years ago, we had no idea it would become this. It was way bigger. It is way bigger than what we ever imagined. But see, when you begin to put your life into the hands of God, God will take your little efforts and he will multiply it and produce a way bigger result than you could have ever done on your own. This right here, this is what I just call a receptive heart. It's a receptive heart. 
See, God does not have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. And maybe it's time to clean out your ears. Maybe it's time for you to hear the words of Jesus that anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. Anyone who hears my words and ready to hear them, receive it, accept it, I can do something with that. Let me show you this list again. Maybe you find yourself somewhere on this list. Maybe for you, it's just right here. Maybe there is a sin in your life that you've justified. Or maybe there is a hurt that is so deep that's just made your heart hard towards God. Maybe for you, it's just a shallow heart. That there was a season in your life where you gave your life to Jesus, but something happened, and it just caused you to stop growing in your faith. And since that time, you've just been shallow, superficial. Maybe it's just distracted. Maybe you're just distracted. You are consumed by the worries of the what-ifs, and you don't know what to do with it. Maybe you're just chasing after wealth because you think that's going to make you happy. Or you're just distracted with these other things. Listen, I am not pointing fingers at you. I'm not doing that. Maybe you went to a church where the pastor acted like he had it all together, and then he pointed at everybody else and said, you sinners better change. You won't find that here. For, for me, I have, I have had every single one of these happen in my life at one season or another. Every single one of these. I've had to deal with those. See, but the goal is right here, is that you would have a receptive heart towards God. God's voice is easiest to hear when you are turning towards God, when your focus is on him, when you're paying attention to his voice. So let me just, let me just push you a little bit and say, what for you, what habit needs to change? What do you need to add into your life so that you have a receptive heart? Maybe it's saying, I just need to start reading God's word. I just need to add that habit. What do you need to eliminate? Maybe it's a sin in your life where you're going, you know what, I need to get rid of that. Out of my life once and for all. I always say I'm going to do it, but it's time. What do you need to magnify? What do you need to increase? Maybe it's just coming to church. I think this environment right here, some of the greatest environments when we hear from God. Why is that? It's because we're paying attention. It's the one hour a week that we are paying attention. Samuel, little Samuel would grow up and he would anoint David as the king of Israel and David would write these words out of Psalm 46 where he says this, be still and know that I'm God. Speaking in first person for God, be still and know that I am God. See, this is where it all begins right here. It doesn't begin with the advice that you think that you need. It doesn't begin with the three ultimatums that you've given to God. If he doesn't take care of these, you're done with him. It begins by being still. By being still. 
It begins by recentering your life. And what I mean by that is putting Jesus back at the center of your life. That's how it begins. To be still and know that I'm God. I want to lead you in a time of prayer. So I want to just ask you just to, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to lead you into a moment of stillness. Here's what I want you to pray. God, open my ears to hear you again. Just pray this. God, open my ears to hear you again. For some of you, you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. And you have a reason why. But you've never done that. And I want to give you the opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus right now. And here's what you begin to pray. You just pray, Jesus, I am accepting you as my Lord and Savior. I am surrendering my life to you. I'm asking you to forgive my sins and give me a brand new start. We want to help you on that journey of following Jesus. There's a card in front of you that just says, I have decided, and you can take that to the commons, and we have some people who would love to come alongside you and help you with your next steps of being a follower of Jesus. God, right now we're praying. God, open our ears so that we can hear. God, whatever barrier has been in the way of us hearing from you, God, we are submitting to you. We are submitting and surrendering our life to Jesus. Speak to us. Give us ears to hear. God, we thank you for Jesus who gave his life on the cross to have a relationship with us. So we surrender to him. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.